marketing communication outside of the US for professionals and qualified investors only. Not for onward distribution. The value of an investment and the income from it can fall as well as rise and you may not get back the amount originally invested. Welcome to this special series of Research in Action, where we talk about the outlook for the major economic sectors and investment implications for 2024. We're your hosts, Carolyn Bigda. And I'm Matt Perone, Director of Research. And in this episode, we are joined by Andy Acker. He leads the healthcare sector team, and he's also a portfolio manager on several of our healthcare and biotech strategies. Andy, welcome to the podcast. Good to be with you. So the big story in healthcare in 2023 was, of all things, weight loss. <laughs> you had these, what are called, a new class of drugs called GLP-1 agonists. Um, they've delivered some pretty impressive weight loss results in patients. They're showing signals for other benefits, like a reduction in heart disease. And they've also caused uh, some volatility in the sector. So could you give us an update on uh, where that category of drugs is going and what we see um, ahead in 2024 for them? Sure. It's, you know, it's been hard to look at the news without hearing something about these new therapies. And, and they have been really a game changer. You know, we think this could be the biggest opportunity that we've ever seen in the healthcare sector. To give you a sense, these products are already annualizing at over $30 billion a year. And yet we're only about 5% penetrated in the U.S. We have maybe four or five million people in the U.S. out of 100 million people that are overweight or obese. So we're in the very, very early innings, and we think this is gonna be the next $100 billion market in uh, healthcare, and not that far away. You know, Before the end of the decade, I think we'll be there. Now, why is there so much excitement about these therapies? The main reason is these are really a breakthrough in terms of the degree of weight loss that they can achieve. So what's interesting is these GLP-1 drugs, or, or incretins, which are gut hormones, which essentially make you feel full, have actually been around for about 18 years, since, uh, since 2005. But um, the, old, the old ones were not that effective. You had to take injections twice a day. Now we can get injections once a week, and we're getting 15 to 20% weight loss. So these are sort of unprecedented levels of weight loss that can be life-changing for patients. And importantly, we believe with that kind of weight loss, that could also improve outcomes you know, reduce the other consequences of being very overweight or having active inflammation. Um, and we just learned uh, very recently that these drugs do actually reduce the risk of heart attacks and strokes and death. Um, we've also learned, and we'll get more data in 2024, on their ability to, you know, reduce the risk of um, kidney disease. We're going to see if they reduce the risk of liver disease, diabetes. So these are having, you know, far-reaching consequences. And um, they're advancing. You know, right now, there's still capacity constraint. We expect in 2024, the capacity continue to increase. So more and more patients will get access to these medicines. And we're going to see some news from potential competitors or, or other players in the market. We're going to see everything from early data on new oral therapies. You know, wouldn't it be nice if we had an option of taking these as a one pill once a day Instead of, an, instead of a weekly injection. Um, we're also going to see less frequent uh, ones. So we'll see ones that maybe could be given once a month instead of once a week. So this is going to be a field that will continue to evolve. We're, we're going to continue to see more data on other impacts. In fact, the two leading companies are sponsoring 36 pivotal studies that we'll be reading out over the next five years. So we're going to learn a lot more about these medicines, their other benefits, that we think over time will lead to improved reimbursement 
and we're going to see continued capacity increases that make these medicines more available. So tremendous growth uh, engine, we think, coming from these new weight loss therapies. So that's been the the, the big story, obviously, in healthcare. But another story is the fact that the the sector's really struggled this year, just about across the board, really. What's going on? Yeah, so I think it's it's been a couple of factors. And the first one, it's hard to think about healthcare without thinking about COVID. Uh, And of course, healthcare and biotech were on the, the front lines of fighting that disease. When it came out, fortunately, we were able to develop new vaccines in 10 months instead of 10 years. And that probably saved millions of lives. And so we've had tens of billions of dollars of sales of products for fighting the pandemic, fighting COVID-19. But this was a year really where the COVID party turned into the COVID hangover. You know, last year we had $90 billion of sales of products for COVID-19, everything from treatments to vaccines to um, diagnostics. And this is the year where those, you know, the pandemic ended, uh, the public health emergency ended. And so companies have been suffering from uh, challenging comparables in terms of this year, not that many people are getting vaccines and treatments for COVID. You know, the infection rates have gone down. It's not that it's gone, but it's substantially lower than it was. And so you're seeing that weighing almost on the entire healthcare sector. You know, companies like Pfizer have seen their sales go from $100 billion to about $60 billion. Moderna, their vaccine sales have declined. Abbott, they've seen uh, declines of their diagnostic products. You know, in the most recent quarter, you know, some of these companies are reporting double-digit growth in their core business, but 80% declines of their COVID business. And that has weighed on the entire sector. And so we're seeing actually negative earnings growth and revenue growth for the entire healthcare sector this year. That's actually a very rare event. And then you combine that with the fact that we came into 2023 expecting a recession. You know, there was a view that we're gonna have recession this year. So everyone was defensively positioned in the healthcare sector and healthcare hasn't felt that defensive this year. And meanwhile, there's been a lot of excitement about AI and technology. So we've seen a big shift out of healthcare into other sectors. Now, if we look forward though, and we always, as investors, we try to look forward and not backward. You know, This has been one of the worst years on a relative basis for the healthcare sector. But looking forward, you know, the valuations in the sector are depressed. The level of innovation, we think, you know, and hopefully we can get to that in a minute, but level of innovation is higher than ever. You know, we're seeing more new medicines getting approved than ever before. And yet the valuations are low. And as we go into 2024, we see the potential for a reset where we see earnings accelerating off of the depressed levels of this year. And so revenue and earnings, we think for the sector, will return more to normalized levels where we see this kind of structural growth in the industry. And we could have, at the same time healthcare is accelerating, there's still the potential for an economic slowdown or recession that could impact the rest of the market and result in decelerating growth. So we think that actually sets up quite well on a look forward basis as we look into 2024 for the healthcare and biotech sectors. So, I mean, the setup does sound pretty interesting. Do you worry at all about the presidential election cycle? Healthcare is typically challenged during that yeah, that is, I think that's been another overhang. You know, whenever there's an election cycle, people say, oh, that's got to be bad for healthcare." What's interesting, at least so far, the, the two leading presidential candidates have both been president already. You know, so we kind of, they can say whatever they want, but they each had four years to do whatever they wanted. 
And we've also gotten a piece of legislation that has been passed called the IRA or the Inflation Reduction Act. So we already know what that looks like, you know, so that I think, you know, maybe there could be some rhetoric, but the reality is we have a law in place already, and now people are trying to figure out the impact of that. And and there's sort of pros and cons there, but I don't think we're going to see anything materially different than what we already have at this point. What about if we just zoomed in on one area, though, of healthcare, which is biotech? Unfortunately, it's been in a bear market for going on almost three years now. What's happened there and what might yeah. turn it around? So you're right. So biotech has been down. Actually, if we look at the broad S&P select you know, index, it's been down now three years in a row, double digits three years in a row. Now, the last time biotech stocks were down three years in a row was 1992 to 1994. And in the following year, biotech stocks were up 60%. So we're seeing, you know, it feels like a depression right now in the biotech industry uh, And when you look at the stocks. And what's driven that? You know, for, part of it is similar to what happened with healthcare. You had a lot of excitement after the progress we made against COVID-19, the new vaccines that were developed so quickly and were so effective. And that brought a lot of excitement and money into the biotech sector. And many companies got funded that we thought probably should never have been funded. You know, so there were a lot of companies with relatively early and or relatively weak scientific you know, basis that got were valued at billions of dollars. You know, and that probably never should have happened because people forgot about our 90-90 rule, the fact that 90% of the new medicines in development will never make it all the way to the market. And then even if they make it, you know, the consensus estimates are wrong 90% of the time. And a lot of those companies have missed expectations. You know, there's been a lot of clinical disappointments from companies that got funded that probably never should have. And so for the last couple of years, there's been a shakeout. You know, a lot of those companies are going away. The companies that were dependent on capital markets for financing are really struggling. A lot of those are now being merged away through reverse mergers. So you have more promising technology companies that are private, that are merging into public shells. So we've been seeing that, you know, sort of going away over time. And that process kind of continues. But meanwhile, under the surface, there's been actual real innovation that we think is extremely exciting. In fact, 2023 uh, will be the biggest year ever for new product approvals that we've ever seen. We've already had 59 new medicines approved and dozens more still pending. So this will be the biggest year ever for new product approvals. You wouldn't know it when you look at the stock market. but um, And typically, when, when these products get approved, um, they drive a new product cycle that can last for a decade or longer. And so we think we're still in the early innings of a new growth cycle in biotech that's not really being recognized by the current market conditions. What do you see coming down the pike in terms of innovation and new drug launches that you're keeping an eye on and you're most excited about? Yeah, so I think what uh, cancer is one of those areas that's seeing tremendous change. Um, for 70 years, we've been using chemotherapy drugs that you know we all know about that you know are are effective, but they have a lot of side effects. And what we're doing now is finding more precise ways of giving chemotherapy. So one of these are called antibody drug conjugates. So instead of giving chemotherapy, you know, systemically to a patient where it goes all around your body, what if we could target it? You know, attach those chemotherapy molecules to a targeted antibody and deliver it directly to cancer cells. You know, and we're starting to get these therapies. And they're resulting in dramatic benefits for patients. You know, one of these therapies improved overall survival for women with ovarian cancer 
by 33%. We've had another one uh, for the treatment of bladder cancer that is improving overall survival by about 100%, you know, essentially doubling overall survival when you combine that with our um, immuno-oncology medicines that also help to target, uh, basically unlock the power of the immune system to attack and kill cancer cells. We have new cell-based therapies, what are called CAR-T therapies. And these, you know, a lot of these would have seemed like science fiction 10 years ago, but we can take the cells of a patient out of their body, reprogram them, essentially genetically engineer them to find cancer cells, reinfuse them back into a patient. You know, one of these therapies um, in June of 2023 at the American Society of Clinical Oncology Conference showed they could reduce the risk of progression or death by 75%. So essentially quadrupling your, your overall survival without your disease progressing. So we're seeing enormous benefits and even better, these therapies are generally better tolerated than the old therapies we were using. So we're seeing a continued transition to new ways of treating oncology. We're also seeing advances, continued advances in genetic-based medicines, everything from gene uh, therapies to gene editing to mRNA therapies. These mRNA therapies that were so great for COVID, you know, are being developed for other respiratory uh, diseases. So we're getting further vaccines there. We're also getting vaccines that could be used for cancer as well. Um, and so we're seeing, you know, really tremendous progress in terms of how do we treat human disease? Another one, we already talked about obesity, but Alzheimer's, we have the first disease modifying treatments that are being launched now. We have one approved already, another one coming in 2024. Um, and we're trying to further improve upon those. So, you know, really tremendous clinical progress in terms of addressing unmet medical needs with products that we think can change the practice of medicine. But some of these companies are, are being, you know, really uh, completely missed, we think, by the market, their potential. So that's what gets us really excited about investing in the sector. And do you think that innovation can help turn around the earnings and revenue trajectory for the sector? Yeah, I think as we once we sort of you know get rid of this COVID overhang, um, which I think is largely out of these companies now. There's maybe a little bit left, but as that comes out, and then the core growth of you know addressing unmet needs, uh, that will drive an acceleration of growth. We believe for the entire sector, and and could help it recover. Great setup. Yeah, let's hope that we can put COVID further and further behind <laughs> us for everyone and yeah. the healthcare sector. Thank yeah. you so much, Andy, for being here. All right, great to be here. Thanks, Thank Andy. you. The views presented are as of the date published. They are for information purposes only and should not be used or construed as investment, legal or tax advice or as an offer to sell, a solicitation of an offer to buy, or a recommendation to buy, sell or hold any security, investment strategy or market sector. Nothing in this material shall be deemed to be a direct or indirect provision of investment management services specific to any client requirements. Opinions and examples are meant as an illustration of broader themes, but not an indication of trading intent, are subject to change and may not reflect the views of others in the organization. It is not intended to indicate or imply that any illustration or example mentioned is now or was ever held in any portfolio. No forecasts can be guaranteed and there is no guarantee that the information supplied is complete or timely, nor are there any warranties with regard to the results obtained from its use. Janice Henderson Investors is the source of data unless otherwise indicated, and has reasonable belief to rely on information and data sourced from third parties. Past performance does not predict future returns. Investing involves risk, including the possible loss of principal and fluctuation of value. Not all products or services are available in all jurisdictions. This material or information contained in it may be restricted by law, may not be reproduced or referred to without express written permission or used in any jurisdiction or circumstance in which its use would be unlawful. 
Janice Henderson is not responsible for any unlawful distribution of this material to any third parties, in whole or in part. The contents of this material have not been approved or endorsed by any regulatory agency. Janice Henderson Investors is the name under which investment products and services are provided by the entities identified in the following jurisdictions, a. Europe by Janice Henderson Investors International Limited, registration number 3594615, Janice Henderson Investors UK Limited, registration number 906355, Janice Henderson Fund Management UK Limited, registration number 2678531, Henderson Equity Partners Limited, registration number 2606646, each registered in England and Wales at 201 Bishopgate, London EC2M3AE and regulated by the Financial Conduct Authority, and Janice Henderson Investors Europe SA. Registration number B22848, at 2 Rue de Bitburg, L1273, Luxembourg and regulated by the Commission de Surveillance du Secteur Financier. B, the US by SEC registered investment advisors that are subsidiaries of Janice Henderson Group PLC, C, Canada through Janice Henderson Investors US LLC only to institutional investors in certain jurisdictions. D, Singapore by Janice Henderson Investors, Singapore, Limited, company registration number 199700782N. This advertisement or publication has not been reviewed by Monetary Authority of Singapore. E, Hong Kong by Janice Henderson Investors Hong Kong Limited. This material has not been reviewed by the Securities and Futures Commission of Hong Kong. F. South Korea by Janice Henderson Investors, Singapore, limited only to qualified professional investors, is defined in the Financial Investment Services and Capital Market Act and its sub-regulations. G. Japan by Janice Henderson Investors, Japan, limited, regulated by Financial Services Agency and registered as a financial instruments firm conducting investment management business, investment advisory and agency business and type 2 financial instrument business. H. Australia and New Zealand by Janice Henderson Investors, Australia, limited, ABN 47124279518 and its related bodies corporate including Janice Henderson Investors, Australia, Institutional Funds Management Limited, ABN 16165119531, AFSL 444266, and Janice Henderson Investors, Australia, Funds Management Limited, ABN 43164177244, AFSL 444268, I, the Middle East by Janice Henderson Investors International Limited, regulated by the Dubai Financial Services Authority as a representative office. This material relates to a financial product which is not subject to any form of regulation or approval by the Dubai Financial Services Authority, DFSA. The DFSA has no responsibility for reviewing or verifying any prospectus or other documents in connection with this financial product. Accordingly, the DFSA has not approved this material or any other associated materials nor taken any steps to verify the information set out in this material, and has no responsibility for it. The financial product to which this material relates may be illiquid and or subject to restrictions and at resale. Prospective purchasers should conduct their own due diligence on the financial product. If you do not understand the contents of this material you should consult an authorized financial advisor. No transactions will be concluded in the Middle East and any inquiries should be made to Janice Henderson. We may record telephone calls for our mutual protection, to improve customer service and for regulatory record-keeping purposes. Outside of the US, Australia, Singapore, Taiwan, Hong Kong, Europe, and UK, for use only by institutional, professional, qualified and sophisticated investors, qualified distributors, wholesale investors and wholesale clients is defined by the applicable jurisdiction. Not for public viewing or distribution. Marketing communication. Janice Henderson is a trademark of Janice Henderson Group PLC or one of its subsidiaries. Copyright Janice Henderson Group PLC. S&P Biotechnology Select Industry Index comprises stocks in the S&P Total Market Index that are classified in the GICS Biotechnology Subindustry. Concentrated investments in a single sector, industry or region will be more susceptible to factors affecting that group and may be more volatile than less concentrated investments or the market as a whole. Healthcare industries are subject to government regulation and reimbursement rates, as well as government approval of products and services, which could have a significant effect on price and availability, and can be significantly affected by rapid obsolescence and patent expirations. C1223-53727-123024TL. 